What's going on, wolves? It's Lotus Lalova here with another episode of Matcha Moments with the Creative Mind. And this is a safe space for creatives to come and learn tips and techniques on how to best express their passions to the world. And I am super excited because your girl is no longer feeling sick. Yes, it was a very slow recovery, but that's for a different a different um, episode because I learned a lot. But I was asked a question from a listener, from a fellow wolf named Olivia, and she wanted to know, like, how do you make profit from your passion? How do you even know what your passion is if you're multi-passionate? And how do you know how to find your passion if you feel that you have none? So I figured this is something that probably a lot of creatives may go through um, at some point in time. I know I felt like I've lost my passion. Um, and then I also am multi-passionate. So I was like, this is a great question. And I want to dive into it and give you guys my take on you know tips and techniques that you guys can utilize to help you find your passion um and find what passion you can make a profit from because those are two different things or they can be depending on the person your journey um but before we get into that you know we gotta talk about matcha because matcha's life and um i'm actually gonna share a fun fact because it's such a juicy topic and i don't want us to go like too too long into it But did you know that matcha was made by accident? Which is so exciting because it's still to do with passion. So listen up, okay? So matcha, right, was brought from China to Japan like a long, long time ago. And there was like a really crazy winter one year in Japan. And the tea farmers were freaking out about the tea leaves, the green tea leaves. Because remember, matcha tea leaves are the the top part of a green tea leaf like they are like the fresh new baby leaves and then the rest of the tea leaves um are used for like black tea oolong tea regular green tea you know so they were freaking out about it and they decided because they didn't want the top leaves to be frostbitten because they figured it'd be loss of product that they would cover it shielding it from the cold weather and what they ended up finding out is that those top leaves were even more richer and brighter and um, because they had to overcompensate because they weren't getting the natural sunlight from the sun because they were covered, they were sheltered. And then they were able to make the process of how matcha leaves are cultivated, which is they are shaded for about two or three weeks and then they are harvested and then, you know, they're ground up, you know, made into powder and it's all yummy goodness. But um, what makes them so powerful is that shaded process because it helps the leaf to kind of heal itself and like make its own chlorophyll and like it doubles its its like magical powers let's just say um simply from that one act that happened by accident literally tea farms are just being passionate about what they do farming tea and they were like i'm not losing products so we're gonna figure this out and then they ended up becoming super abundant because they were able to create such a a high-powered tea that it became ceremonial that samurais use it um before they went into battle like that's how poppin matcha is so i wanted to share that tip with you because i thought that was pretty fascinating i did not know that about matcha so it was pretty cool to find out so now that we have that little fun tip 
um, on profit passion with matcha because that's exactly what happened. They turned their passion into a major profit that lasted for thousands and thousands and thousands of years and will probably last thousands and thousands and thousands more years after this podcast. But um, let's get into... I want to speak on a few different things. So we're still going to utilize CPR method. If you guys don't know, the CPR method is a method I created a few years ago. And it's, and I use the CPR method particularly in matcha moments to help you um, have like a three-step setup or a three-step plan of action to take so that you can get into alignment. Whether that is, you know, understanding forgiveness to today's topic of understanding your passion and how to make a profit from it. The CPR method works like a charm almost in anything. Um, And it's usually create to connect, praise on purpose and and resonate and recover to resonate. But sometimes they are interchangeable. Sometimes P is practice. Sometimes C is connect. You know, sometimes R is remember. But essentially, CPR is bringing us from that spiritual self-love and self-life support that we are on and, like, you know, giving us a second chance, um, which is what I absolutely love. So we are talking about passion and profit. So I think I'm going to start off with if you feel that you have no passion. If you feel like you have no passion, you are most likely not living your life for yourself you are not doing things that excite you or make you thoroughly happy and not just surface level happy but like literally you are like laughing to the core and those are things to like start to reflect on and like really check in with yourself like see where you're at if you find that you don't have any passion in life you are most likely experiencing some type of burnout because it's not um I want to be like really sensitive with my words because there's nothing wrong with you if you don't have a passion. It just means that you're, you still have some like growing to do because I think that we're all born with our passion and our purpose in life. Um, I just think that certain experiences help us to unlock it and some of us unlock it quicker than others and I don't think that there's anything wrong with that and you shouldn't be in a rush to unlock it um, because your journey has to unfold the way that it needs to so that you can be the person that you need to be so when you are um, awakened to your purpose and process, um, your purpose and passion, you are able to really take inspired action with it. So I do want to say that. But if you feel that, you know, you're on the search, you're on the search. Um, one thing that I did when I felt that I lost my passion was that I came back to self. And that's one of the first steps. Um, and we're going to go over the CPR method twice, but it's the same step for both process processes. So first I had to create clarity. So I started to like really check in myself and ask a lot of questions. Um, One thing that helped was finding out what my zone of genius is um, because I realized that I was really good at a lot of things. And for people who feel they're not good at anything, this is still helpful for you because you are good at something. You are great at something. It just may take you more time to find out. And also remember, too, how greatly our environment affects us. So let's say you are an amazing painter, but you grew up in a space where, you know, creative arts was, like, dimmed or, like, looked down on. You would never know that you're an amazing painter, right? You've never been given the opportunity to paint. So definitely check in with your environment and see what you have been, like, 
not able to experience because that could be an answer as well. It's really about self-discovery and like exploration, like digging deep to your childhood. See if you can remember some times where, um, well, we're, we're skipping a step. Let's get back. Okay. <laughs> Cause I get really excited about this. All right. We're going to create clarity. We're going to find our zone of genius. And I'm going to go over the four areas, um, of mindset and how you can get to your genius level. We also need to find our love language because I feel like that's super, super important. I think those two really help us to just know how to communicate to ourselves because love languages are not just for others, but they are how we talk to ourselves. So if you are a person that you find out your love language is word of affirmations like mine is, I have to speak very positive to myself. The minute that I don't, all hell breaks loose inside Lotus's head. So once you know, if it's just that you have to spend quality time with yourself, then you need quality alone time with yourself doing things that you like. You have to figure out what your love language is. But first, let's go into your zone of genius. Okay, so there are four zones. There is the zone of incompetence. There's a zone of competence, zone of excellence, and then, of course, your zone of genius. And your zone of genius is where your passion lies. It's where that profit can come from from your passion. So first off, the first zone, zone of incompetence, is one that you truly want to avoid. This is stuff that you are either you feel forced to do or that you do because you don't think you can do anything else. Um, You're not great at it. You're not good at it. And it makes you feel weak. It makes you feel like, you know, there's nothing to live for. There's no zest in life there, right? And something that you realize, too, is just like how gloomy your life feels in the zone of incompetence. So, like, for me, I knew that was like working retail, right? That's my example for you guys. I absolutely hated it. Um, I just felt like anyone can do this. except for me um it felt like it was I wasn't using any of my skill set or my talent or I wasn't able to be innovative or creative and I felt like I was being forced to act a certain way that was not natural to me and that was me operating in my zone of incompetence and I was very fortunate enough to be very fiery um as a young adult and leave that immediately when I felt that it was draining me um then there's your zone of competence And it's a very tricky area because you're decent at what you do, but it doesn't bring you any joy. And this is where a lot of people end up getting sick um, and experiencing like fatigue and chronic illness here. Um, And I can give you guys an example. I was working at a um, charter school, but in the college section. Um, Shout out my college wolves. (laughs) And... um, I was decent at it. Like, I could get the job done. The job could get done. You know, it wasn't like a, a popping job, but it was a, the, the job was done, right? And um, I ended up getting really sick. That's when I started first seeing signs of, like, uh, my lupus diagnosis and rheumatoid arthritis because I would get so sick. And that happened again at a few other jobs. I was working at a museum, and um, I got the same vibe. It's just, like, the routine of it and then, like, the stifling of my creativity um, it wasn't too stifled because I was still able to be a little creative, like have little glimpses of hope here and there. Um, but for the most part, it felt like I was just like I was just um, living but not alive. And um, it didn't make me feel as special as I am because it was something that just didn't move me, you know. 
and there were some people that just did it better and the people that did it better I got to see them and they were so excited going to work and I was like uh, I couldn't even be happy for them because I was in such a low level state right um, and those are all normal sensations and feelings when you're in the zone of competence because you're competent. Like, I can do it, but there's like no life or joy that I get from it. And seeing others have life and joy from it makes me curious as to how they're able to do that in such, you know, a space that makes me so blah, um, but makes them so happy. So it started to like pique my interest. And I was like, huh, right? This is so intriguing. And then you go on to your zone of excellence. And this is a very, 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 very sticky, 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 messy ass zone, if you ask me. Um, Because you know in your zone of of incompetence and competence that you don't want to be there. But in your zone of excellence, because you are highly skilled and you're really good at it, it's easy for you to get complacent and comfortable right? And that was me when it came to like formal teaching. I was really good at teaching. I loved working with kids. I was so excited, you know, but I also knew that there was something missing, but it wasn't the excitement that I was feeling from everything else was uh, blinding me to like that dull aching pain of like, this is something like what I want to do, but this is not what I'm here for. And because I was getting paid very well at a young age and I was just able to travel with my kids and I loved my children, um, I stayed there for a really long time until, you know, God did it okie doke real quick and was like, no, you getting, you getting too complacent. But luckily God came through for me, but not, um, for a lot of people, they'll just end up staying somewhere because it's comfortable because the pay is regular. You don't have to worry about any type of like, um, real challenges because you are so good at it. Some people stay because they are consistently praised there because they are so good at what they do and they don't receive that type of praise or encouragement in other places. Um, this is a space where a lot of entrepreneurs can be born or a lot of entrepreneurs go to die. I'm going to be real with you. You know, for our entrepreneurs that have our nine to fives um, and you happen to really be good at your nine to five and you happen to actually enjoy it, it can deter you from following the dream that's been, you know, a part of you since you were a child. Um, It also blocks out a lot of time because this thing, because you're so highly skilled, it consumes a lot of your time. So it can take away from you taking care of yourself and um, taking time to understand yourself better and what your passions are. So that is your zone of excellence. You're super good at it. Excuse me. You're super good at it, but it's not for you. Like it doesn't bring you joy, joy, you know, it makes you happy. Um, but it's all very surface level. Just grab me some water. Cause even though I'm feeling better, I'm still healing. So, um, the last zone is zone of genius. And I talk about this all the time and your zone of genius is that not only are you highly skilled and great at it, Um, But it fuels you. It makes you excited. You feel alive. The world is more vibrant. Um, It's something that you can wake up and do every day for free if you wanted to. Um, That's always a good indicator, too, for your zone of genius. Like, could you do this for no money? And if you could, then this is probably where you need to be at. And I found that for me, that is just like the understanding of feminine divine energy and like talking about it and working with women of color. Like I do this for free and I also am now blessed to be paid for it, but I love it. I love it so much. 
oh my god does it bring me so much joy so much joy and um what you'll realize too as you go through your zones is that each zone obviously prepares you for your zone of genius so like even when i was in my zone of incompetence at retail what i did learn there and what i am you know grateful for is that i was able to understand how people saw themselves and you know sought outside themselves for things that would make them feel better and happy and i think that's what upset me a lot because I kind of always knew that everything you needed was inside of you. I just didn't know how to properly express that at the time. Right. And then with my zone of competence, I was, what was I doing there y'all? What was I doing? Oh, like when I was working at the museum, um, and working in the college, right. I started to really understand people's processes on taking care of themselves and whether they felt that they were worthy enough. That's really where I started to like see it. And it used to frustrate me because I couldn't understand why these fantastic college talented ass kids were like questioning their entire worth because they got to be on a, you know, on a test in a class that they're not going to remember when they graduate. So it used to like stress me out because I'm like, it's not that serious. Um, and then with my zone of excellence in teaching, you know, I was really cultivating um, a skill set that I still use today. I still teach, but it's in a whole different capacity um, where I'm able to really delegate and cultivate exactly what it is that I want to teach. My curriculum, I get to study what I care about and I love, and I get to teach um, women of color who I feel that's who I'm here for on this earth. Uh, so those are your four zones. And I think it's important for you to know your four zones as just as important in knowing your love languages. So your love languages are like acts of service. That's just like doing something for someone or doing something for yourself. So that could be like a mani and petty is an act of service. Um, it's you going to receive service from someone else, or it could be like helping your loved one out by taking out the garbage because you know that that's something that they hate to do and you know, it would make their life easier. Uh, then there is words of affirmation, which is obviously speaking positively to yourself and having others do the same for you. Um, and vice versa, if your partner is words of affirmation, speaking positively and understand that your words hold a lot of weight to them. So if you say things like, oh, I hate when you do that, you're really hurting your partner more than you realize. Even though you don't mean it, you're just kind of like, oh, I hate when you do that. It's it's still like getting stabbed in the heart. So just be careful. <laughs> Coming from a woman who speaks that's her language, don't. Just figure out a better way to express yourself and take time to cultivate your words properly because they mean everything. Um, then there's quality time, which is just spending time with yourself. That could be just hanging out. That could be Netflix and chill for yourself. That could be hanging out with your loved one. Um, just cultivating time, just being with them. You don't even really have to be doing anything productive. It's just the time spent together, right? And then there are two more. There's touch. So that's just like, you know, that could be for self-love in your love language. It could be a form of masturbation. It could be a form of like getting massages. It could be a form of like just having more touching sensation in your life. A lot of women don't touch their bodies often. I find that I'm always rubbing up on myself. But I also encounter women that restrict themselves from like you know feeling how soft their skin is so that could also be like adding some more self um some scrubs into your life you know uh like there are ways to make this happen um and then obviously touch for your partner is along the same lines you know it's, it can be very sensual at the same time it also it also can be very platonic just like holding hands i love when gary holds my hand it makes me feel good but touch is my secondary language so you know, you have a primary and a secondary language. And then the last one is gifts. 
And guess what? Just like buying yourself, like treating yourself, buying yourself a little something, something because it makes you feel good. Same thing for your loved one. Like just buying them something randomly makes them feel like, oh my God, they're thinking of me. So those are your five love languages. And you have a primary, a secondary, and you have like a third, fourth, you know, they, they go in order. But usually you interact in your primary and your secondary often. So you want to find out these things about yourself. The more that you learn about yourself, the more you can start to understand where your passions lie for those who feel that they have no passion at all. And for those who are multi-passionate, you can start to gain um, gauge where your primary passions are, like the things that really, really light you up, right? Like that really move you because you're now understanding how to talk to yourself properly and, and, and love yourself properly, which unlocks so many doors to understanding who you truly are. And then you are able to like figure out where your zone of genius is because you might find that you have a lot of things, a lot of passions that are in your zone of excellency where it's like, it's really fun to have a good time, but it's all really surface level. And it's not really bringing me joy. And honestly, if I had to wake up every day for the rest of my life and do this for free, I probably wouldn't do it. It doesn't mean that that's not a passion. It's not your primary passion, right? Your primary passion is in your zone of genius, point blank. That's where it lives. That's where it thrives. That's where it is. You won't find it anywhere else. <laughs> it's right there. Like, hey, sis, this is my home. And this is where we come and we hang out. We have a great time. And we live our best lives, right? So that's how you are able to first create clarity is getting into self-discovery, understanding yourself a bit more Um, for my people who feel non-passionate and for people who are multi-passionate. This applies to both of you. The next step is praise for purpose. And this is a little different because (sighs) gratitude is a great... It's a great tool in general. You know, I love me so gratitude. But it's a great uh, lighthouse. Like, it's a great guider. You know, it helps you just find your way to your purpose. And um, two ways I want you guys to try this out is, one, what in your childhood excited you? And this is an amazing question because a lot of times, a lot of our answers are in our childhood. When I really reflect back to my childhood, the things that excited me, now understand the words that I'm saying. That just like made you happy because, I mean, ice cream made me happy, right? So like, I wasn't excited about ice cream, but I also wasn't tight that I got ice cream either, right? Like I was living my best life on ice cream. Um, But when I really think about my childhood and what excited me, it had to be the hanging out and like, Hanging out with my friends in the backyard, being in nature was very exciting. Um, We had a lot of cuts and bruises, and I had, like, an OG grandmother that was not about that Band-Aid life. So she would, like, figure it out, like, legit. Unless something was broken, we had to figure our own shit out. So I, at a young age, was, like, understanding plant life and, like, what was healing and, like, what would create a solve if I, like, rubbed them together. Um, I remember that. I remember looking up at the stars and the moon and being so fascinated and so in love. Um, I also remember hanging out with my girlfriends and how much fun that would be. And I literally incorporate all those things into the work that I do today as a grown adult um, because they they still excite me. So that is also um, something key when you are praising for your purpose, when you're looking for it, right? I look at those moments, I'm like, wow, those things really made me excited. And I say praise because, again, praise is is joy, infused gratitude so there is a lot of excitement there there's a lot of like deep 
rich happiness. And those things, when I was a child, they just made me so happy. And anytime I was creating, so I'd be in my room and I would create music. I would rewrite songs, like popular hit songs, so that they made more sense to me. <laughs> um, I would create fashion shows um, with me and my sister and make her, like, my model and stuff like that. And I would, like, I just, I love to create stuff. I love to create stories. Um, I just love to create, like, daydreams of like what my life would be like it was all so 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 exciting for me and um when I reflected I realized that and I wrote those things down and I went back through that list again I was like well do these things excite me now and not only did I ask myself that I tried them out I tried looking at the stars that night and I was actually blessed to do this recently in Dominican Republic and it was amazing I saw so many shooting stars and I was like I still feel so excited like oh blown away blown away guys um and I did the same thing for like creating like when I write my short stories um which is leading to my book that I want to release uh this year realizing like oh wow that's still a thing that really makes me freaking excited um creating events makes me super excited <laughs> um plant life um dealing with essential oils all of that stuff is so exciting to me still so you want to make a list from those things that excited you in your childhood and see if they are still current if they're not that's okay at least you have some good memories on that journey and if they are then we're getting closer you know just as much as you find out what it is that you do want is is also as important in finding out what you don't want and that's the other question is like what what were you grateful for you know, in your childhood and your, you know, your teenagehood, like what were you grateful for? I know when I was a teenager, I was really grateful that my mom allowed me to travel. There was a travel club in my school and I was able to like to go to DC and like upstate New York. And I realized that I loved going different places. And I, I also was able to connect that to when I was a child, I would always take a trip with my grandmother somewhere. We would either go to DC or we would go like down South to like South Carolina or North Carolina um, or Tuskegee. A lot of my family is from the South. And I loved it. I loved getting on a bus. I loved packing and having like things to do and like seeing all the new sites and everything. Um, I found that I was really grateful for those moments because they reminded me of how important it was for me to travel. So you really want to look back into your life and see like, what were you grateful for as a child, as a young adult, as a teenager, when you were in college, what were you grateful for yesterday? These are all ways to help you find out what your passion is and where it is, like what vicinity it is in, okay? Um, and something else that I realized too was that I was awarded a lot of um, leadership. So like when I was in kindergarten, I was voted Miss Social Butterfly because I'd always want to check in on people and make sure that they were feeling okay, especially my ladies out there, you know, because boys in preschool were really hardcore, um, and I would always check in on them and I would always defend them too. You know, I was very much, I was very protective, um, as a child. And the same thing happened when I was in like middle school, I was voted Miss Congeniality. And then in high school was not very much liked, but I was still student government president for like three out of the four years. And then in college, I became student government president again. So I always knew when I reflected that I needed to be at the top or own the situation because Shorty's not good in other areas. <laughs> I didn't like being senator or like anything else but like president, but that's also probably very egotistical of me. Um, but I enjoyed it and I got work done because I felt like my ways were more efficient. 
Um, and that was also going to take note of, right? Because I knew I did not like the other positions. And that's something else to keep in mind. Like, what didn't you like as a child? Like, what stressed you the fuck out? What um, made you angry? Because those are also things that you can look back at now and see, are you still upset about them? And if you are, those are things that you want to just make sure you don't have to add more into your life if necessary. And a lot of times people will find out that those things that used to make them angry as a child, they're actually doing every day as an adult. Which is insane when you say it out loud, but it makes complete sense because if you're not taking time out to check in with yourself and just to cultivate that type of awareness, people, you do that, you know, we, we, we become habitual. It's like, oh, I hated doing this as a child, but because it was so, you know, consistent in my life and there was this, this scheduling to it, I just did it, right? You know, and then you grow up and all of a sudden that's a part of your life. So you really want to cultivate that self-awareness with those questions. So again, it's what in your childhood excited you? What were you grateful for in your childhood and your early age? What did you not like? What made you angry? And you see that I'm talking about emotions because emotions trigger vivid memories that you can actually write down and go back to and if you're finding yourself being in a numb space then you need to kind of sit in a bit of stillness and most times when people are operating out of numbness because that does happen you might find it easier to um identify what your negative emotions first because that's why you are um you know your, your numbness is happening because you're protecting yourself so your unhappy memories could trigger you enough to start to feel again and then you work through those feelings um if not by yourself or with the loved one then obviously I always say with a trained professional um and then you're able to go into those happier moments we're all wired differently it doesn't make you weird because you have to go through your unhappy to get to your happy that's just how it works sometimes it is what it is but the point is that you are being active in your self-awareness and moving forward in life. And that's what really matters. So that's how you're going to praise for your purpose. And last, of course, you're going to resonate on those feelings, okay? And that's when we, again, it's just, oh, your feelings are guidelines to where your purpose is, okay? They are guidelines to where your passion lies, to where your primary passion is, to the passion that's going to be the thing that you're like, you know what, I can make a profit from this, right? And I say profit passion because I found that I realized that I had healing hands um, along with some other magical abilities. I think of myself as a magical being. Thank you. Um, But I realized that I had that and I had to find the medium right? Oh, like, well, how do I make this happen? Like, what are my hands for? Like, is it Reiki healing? Like, you know, like, am I a massage therapist? You know, should I be gardening? Like, what's going on? Um, And I did a lot of work, and we'll kind of get into that in a different episode. But I ended up finding out that I'm really good with oils, right? Because again, what I reflected into my childhood, and I'm really good naturally with plant life. And I know that if I actively... um if I actively educated myself more on it, that I could be great at it. So I am starting to study herbalism um, now, which is just blowing my mind, understanding spices and, okay, anyway. So yes, I did some work to find out that that was a primary passion because it literally, the feelings resonated with me. 
you know, as I'm talking to you guys about it now, I'm getting sensations over my body. My hands are like getting hot again because they're like, oh, yeah, let's work on something. You know, I'm smiling ear to ear. Like body awareness um, is helpful when it comes to understanding your feelings, too. So if you find that there are certain things you think about and you start to slunch or cover your heart chakra or you're like leaning over trying to protect yourself that's probably something that does not make you feel good um and so you should probably let go of and try to have as least of it in your life as possible but if you find you're standing up straight and you're smiling you're bright-eyed and bushy-tailed that's probably something that you want to add more of in your life because you are naturally energizing yourself and that's really exciting um and some more questions they spill over from praise for purpose on resonating with your feelings are again like what really ex- what really excites you now um what makes you cry what made you cry what angers you what angered you um and I'll go over it for me to give you guys like um an understanding of how to answer these questions so that you can actually get some real answers for yourself and for me what really excites me now are the things that excited me as a child so again, like playing in dirt, herbalism makes me super freaking excited. Making my uh, alignment sprays makes me really excited. Um, hanging out with black women makes me super excited. Holding spaces for them makes me super excited. Talking about um, the feminine divine, it makes me so excited. Like, oh, I'm so excited. That's why I have a podcast. Um, okay, let's go on to the next question. What made me cry? When I was younger, I would cry when I felt that my voice wasn't being heard um, or that I wasn't being understood. I would cry for others um, when I felt that they weren't being understood. And I still feel that way as an adult. Um, What makes me cry now is when I'm not able to properly express myself. It makes me angry enough to cry. And that's how I release my anger because, you know, it's a technique I decided to embrace. Um, I found that crying is very cathartic and allows me just to release in a way that is healing for myself and is not harmful for others, which is important to me. Um, Yeah, those things make me cry. Also, um, structure, like really, really, really mm, concrete structure freaks me out and makes me cry. But I feel like you were like trying to restrain me. No bueno. Like, I don't like that. I didn't like that as a child. I didn't like it. I don't like it now. I like to have some type of flexibility. I don't mind structure, but there needs to be options and choices. Otherwise, I back out completely. Um, And then what angered me? Um, Being told what I couldn't do as a child um, because I was a girl made me angry and still does today. Um, Being told what I couldn't do because I was black made me angry. Um, I was really into like Nirvana and like alternative rock as a child and I would get a lot of criticism, um, from the adults in my life. Like, oh, you know, that's not black music or, you know, you're not black enough. Da, da, da. And I was just kind of like, what y'all not going to do is tell me that my blackness is like gauged on my musical interests. Like I'm not for it, you know? And as an adult, I'm the same way. You're not going to tell me because I'm a black woman, what I can and cannot do because you will find out that not only can I do it and do it well, I set a new norm for it. But again, those are things that anger me. (laughs) Those are things that make me upset. But they also, the reason why I asked you that question about anger, because those things we normally, 
a lot of us normally think that because anger inspires us, I don't want to say it's inspiration. Anger motivates us to do something, right? Just to move. So a lot of us will try to tap into our anger um, to get things done. And that only lasts for a while. It's a good way. It's a discovery tool, but it's not something you need to like build your whole entire foundation on. It's just something for you to understand like, oh, this is going to get me to move. But I want to make this as a, like a healthy and whole aspect. So, okay, right? I've been able to now from my childhood anger of being told what I could and couldn't do because I was a black girl, it did motivate me for a long time to like reach all these goals and do all these things, right? That's why I had to be student government president because I had to make it, make it known that like black women could be at the top and do well. You know, that was very um, important for me to like make sure we all understood if you were in my presence that like black women are popping. But as I've gotten older, it's evolved into more of an inspiration so now it's more of like you know I will show up and take care of myself first and do my best so that way I can lead by example for other young black women um to have someone to look towards and be like oh oh I can do this oh like well you know Lotus did it so it's possible for me you know so it went from motivation of like oh I'm so angry to like inspiration of like my end goal isn't to prove someone wrong, but it is to make a pathway for others. And that's why I believe that if you are creative, you should be operating out of inspiration instead of motivation. Motivation will only get you so far. Inspiration is limitless and is for the good of all people. Um, at least in my belief and in my experiences, when I've been motivated, I've gotten stuff done, but most times I didn't take care of myself. Um, and I didn't really care about the good of everybody. I cared about my agenda being proven right. And when I was inspired, it was for the good of myself and everyone involved. Um, so, like, those are the main things for the CPR method on how you can utilize that to understand where your passion is what your pa- and what your primary passion is that you can start to make a profit from um, if you choose to become an entrepreneur. It's a lot of self-discovery. Right, And I just want to go over them one more time. Again, create clarity, praise for purpose, and resonate on your feelings, okay? And um, some more added questions. What teaches you the most? What would you do for free, like we spoke about? And I want to just say this. Be okay with evolving and understand evolution because that's super important if you're multi-passionate or if you don't have a passion or you feel that you don't have a passion because you evolve into things, right? When I understood that I wanted to help black women love themselves first, before I even was able to form a sentence like that, um, it was it was naturally doing it without any real guidance. It was just something that was in me, right? My passion was leading me. Um, I just wasn't able to like connect it mentally. You know, it was all very spiritual. I was all very spiritually led in the beginning. And then when I started to connect them, my companies evolved. So I went from having a company called Extraordinary, which our logo was turning ordinary girls into extraordinary women. I was doing that for a while. And then that evolved into Pretty Full. Um, for my OG wolves out there, you guys know Pretty Full uh, was a lifestyle brand that was created by myself and a former friend on um, how to incorporate self-care as a black millennial woman 
um, and then it evolved into wolf society and now it's evolving into something else. So understand that like your first idea, you know, may not be the last one and that's okay too. You know, you're evolving. This is over the course of like, I think I started extraordinary when I was like 17. I'm 27 now. So over the course of like 10 years, it's evolved and evolved and evolved and has become more fine tuned to whatever it is now, because I actually don't have a name for my company, which is a whole nother story. Um, But I know, though, that the core is helping young women of color love themselves first unapologetically and that if they're able to master that, they can master anything else in their life. I know that that is for certain what it is that I want to do for the rest of my life that I've been doing for the majority of my life here on earth to begin with consciously that I can remember anyway, because there were tons of influences in my childhood that there's a I know why I'm here. Okay, let's just get to that. Um, but all of those are very, very helpful. And then the last tip that I want to give is check into your ancestry. Um, if you're still feeling a little unsure after everything that we spoke about today on matcha moments and you're not like, you're like, Oh, okay. Yeah, I get it. Maybe I'll try that out. Or I tried these exercises that didn't work. Check into your ancestry. A lot of times you'll find answers there. Lots of answers. When I reminisced on my ancestry and I really dug in deep and got super like, um, intentional about understanding these women that came before me. I did it from my maternal mother's lineage. Do it from whatever one resonates with you. That's the one that resonates with me. Um, it's the one that I'm most aware of. So I look back to my mom and her life and her her lifestyle, to my grandmother, her life, her lifestyle, um, and to my great-grandmother. Um, and even a little bit in my great-great-grandmother, though I didn't know a lot about her and she wasn't spoken a lot about. Um, And I found that in each generation, these women were very fierce, um, very protective. Um, They were all, like, innovative. Um, From my great-great-grandmother, Amy, she was a Native American who ended up marrying an Irish immigrant. So she was a badass. Like, that was, like, back in the early 1800s. She went for what she wanted. That's what it says for me. She went for what she wanted. And she cultivated a life with someone. She was very fearless in doing that. Um, and she broke a lot of traditions because Native American, being Native American, like there's a process in like who you are and who you, you know, get to be with. And the fact that she was kind of like, this is awesome, but I'm going to do this instead because this feels right at that time frame, given everything socially, was just very mind blowing for me. And then my great grandmother, Sadie, was born and she was a total badass. She raised all her kids herself as a single black woman. She was not... Um, she wasn't a slave or a sharecropper. She had her own land, um, harvest her own food, still stuck to her Native American traditions. Um, and then like, just kind of like was with whoever she wanted to be with, like who she didn't really have a man and men sought after her. She wasn't with it, you know? And, um, she just gave and gave to her community. She gave so many opportunities to the people in her community for them to thrive um, in Tuskegee, Alabama, during a time where black women shouldn't have had that type of power, she did. And then my grandmother, Ida, was born, and she was an innovator, um, and also an entrepreneur, just like my, gra- my great-grandmother, Sadie, because she worked for herself. She didn't, like, go and work for anyone else. She didn't understand what that even meant, right? And then my... I'm sharing so much with you guys. I hope you guys enjoy this. <laughs> my um, grandmother, Ida, moved from Tuskegee. She was part of the great migration that happened. She moved from Tuskegee all the way up to New York um, because she just wanted something new for herself and to pay for her own way. 
um, where she met my grandfather, who she refused to marry because she just felt like she didn't need a man, which we already can see where that stems from. Um, and then she was a social worker, and she also helped for a lot of our family from Tuskegee to migrate to New York. She like helped them like by paying their way to get up here, make sure they had money. Um, I also found out that she like used to do like some gambling on the side. Like she told like gambling like side hustles. Like she was a very creative woman and how she got her money, there was just she always had money. Um, she had a firm belief that money always came to her. Um, she was very lucky in like the lottery, things like that, right? She was a very fascinating woman. But um and then my mother was born, right? And then my mom was born. My mom was a social worker as well. And she's very fierce and very determined. And she fought for a lot of stuff in her life. And she also, too, though she works as a social worker, um, she has a very independent spirit. And she does whatever it is she wants when she wants, despite her nine to five. It doesn't exist. It's, it's just it's there, but it's not there. Um, and then I'm here. And then I was born. Um, and I have all of their spirits within me. And one thing that I realized from each generation that helped me understand what my passion was, was that every single time I heard stories, I also heard how they didn't take care of themselves and how they put themselves last. And it used to always bother me because I felt that had they just taken care of themselves some more, you know, things would be different. So like with my great grandmother, Sadie, cause I don't know how my great grandmother died, but my great grandmother died of a a broken heart essentially she ended up committing suicide she was very depressed because she had given everything to her family and her grandkids and her community and then they were all flourishing right and they were living their own lives and people didn't really come back to check in on her the way that she had hoped and it broke her heart and she felt that there was no need for her to be here anymore right there was that lack of self-care right and putting herself first because as she put herself first she may not have had that same um feeling anymore like that loneliness that she felt and then with my grandmother my grandmother had a stroke really really young um causing my mom to start taking care of her when she was 12 but my grandmother had a stroke at work because she would be so stressed out about helping these young families get grounded and get put together and then when she wasn't doing that she was helping her own family get grounded and put together that she never took care of herself except for like one day out of the week and she always looked very presentable and beautiful um but there was no real, like, self-care happening. There was no checking in in herself and checking her, like, mental health and just making sure she was feeling good and eating well. Um, and that caused her to have a stroke, and then she eventually died from that stroke. And then for my mom, her self-care is very sporadic, but um, she does put herself first. And sometimes I feel a little irresponsible, irresponsible. But, you know, as I, again, I'm looking through my ancestry, just in those four generations, I was able to understand what my passion is and my purpose was. I'm looking at all these brave women who cared so much about their community to the point that they forgot to care about themselves. And I made a clear understanding for myself that I would not do the same thing. And I was on that path before I did that research into my ancestry. I was definitely on that path. Luckily, God came through and I had the experience of being diagnosed with lupus and rheumatoid arthritis. And that slowed me down and made me have to look at my life and rearrange it to where I had to put myself first because I couldn't do anything else without putting myself first. So that's how I was also able to find my primary passion um, and the one that I was going to utilize to make a profit from so that I could live my best life. So if the other techniques don't work, 
take some time. Again, it's still all about self-discovery. Take some time to dig into your ancestry and find out what was going on there and what their strengths were and where their weaknesses were because their weaknesses are something that you probably are curious about and want to heal or make more effective and efficient so that they don't become weaknesses for future generations. So I really hope, I know it was a lot of information and a pretty long podcast. We're almost into an hour and I've never spoken for this long. Um, But it was a really good question, Olivia, and I hope that this answers it. And I hope for anyone else that's been feeling a little confused or um, a little like what the hell's going on, that this helps bring some type of clarity to what your primary passion is or what your passion is in general. Um, And yeah, I don't think we're going to do a matcha mantra. You know, if anything, embrace your self-discovery. Take some time out to really understand where you come from. Um, and where you've came from in your own lifetime and in the lifetime before you, because it's so important if you want to understand your passion and how you can give to the world. Um, this podcast ended up being a lot about self-discovery. What a beautiful twist. Uh, so yeah, that's that. <laughs> um, if you want to hang out more, definitely hit me up on Instagram at Lotus Laloba. Of course, subscribe, rate, and comment. Um, on the podcast, share it with your friends. I really hope you guys get some good stuff from this one. I don't think all my podcasts will be this long, but as you guys can see, I was talking about my passion, so obvi, right? Obviously, it's this long. Um, yeah, and it's my birthday month, so I'll be doing a lot of fun things this month. If you're in New York, I am speaking at an event on the 13th for Creative Woman Build. They have a happy hour that's happening, and I'll talk about it more on my Instagram account. And then I'll also be hosting um, the first, I'm doing an, an affirmation event, essentially. I will be helping women affirm themselves for a, self, a day of self-love with the Black Pearl Collective, and I'll be speaking on their panel, and I'll be also selling my alignment sprays there, and then of course there will be the monthly vibe session, which is kind of going to be like a birthday vibe session, so we'll be doing some really fun stuff, um, including having like a clothes swap party, and that'll be on the 20th for sure, and then of course my birthday's happening, and I'll be in Vegas, Um, but yeah, I love October, it's my favorite month. It's the month where legends were born. So any October wolves out there, happy, happy birthday. Um, And yeah, see you next week. All right. Bye, wolves.